0: Welcome to the Circles Off podcast, episode number four. Now, I'm Rob Pozzola, joined by Johnny from BetStamp. It's been an interesting week for me, Johnny, um, with a lot of the Ben the Better stuff uh, appearing in the background uh, again, um, and it's like odds getting posted on this event now as well. Like, I, I, I kind of knew this was going to blow up, and I think that's exactly what, what Ben was hoping for, but. I guess I, I really didn't realize it was going to get to this capacity, having Ben go up against my tortoise. Like,
1: yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know that's listening, uh, we talked about this last episode and I, I think we touched upon it before, but Ben, the better, who is now on Twitter as world's worst better because against all odds, he had a losing month of February, which I don't know who didn't see that coming, but Ben, the better world's worst, better on Twitter. Is now it's official. He is taking on Rob Pozzola's tortoise, pet tortoise, tortellini, in a seven day handicapping contest tracked on BetStamp in the marketplace on the featured page. Uh, and not only that, but breaking news today, you'll probably hear this. So, yesterday, because we're going to release this podcast tomorrow, is there was actual bettable odds posted on this event now, and Ben the Better opened again as a plus 130 underdog the human or who we think is a human was it was or we think is a real guy who knows who it is but ben the better he opened as a plus 130 favorite versus a tortoise and if that's not all-time comedy then i don't know what is
0: i i mean (laughs) it's hilarious i I'm, i'm i'm interested to see like if the line moves for one uh because i i did see it on bovada it actually had like 250 and fifty dollar limits so if the, if there are enough people betting it i think they will move it um and then i'm wondering if there's going to be like live markets on this as well because that'll be that will be pretty crazy as well like it's uh, it's just funny i mean it's it's 2021 none, none of this surprises me anymore but i uh, definitely wasn't expecting it to get to this level uh and i'm obviously rooting for my tortoise because i already know how this ends right like if ben beats the tortoise then I have to spend like more weeks trying to dodge him personally. like eh. uh, but I, I mean I I'm, do- I'm stressful. It is stressful. I, I'm doing this podcast. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, you're complaining about um, having to spend way too much time on this and then you record an hour podcast every week. It's like this is kind of like my downtime. I, I enjoy doing this and having this conversation. I'm not gonna enjoy spending like an hour trying to get my tortoise to eat every day. For picks and like following this in real time, but um, uh, let's have no, we'll have give some. It, fun you don't
1: give it. It enough credit, man. This thing's this thing's unbelievable. And you know what? The, the funny part is, is like I, I read the I read the responses today on Twitter. There is, and I and I'm I don't know if people are actually betting this. We'd have to reach out and and figure out what like you know this would be great to have a ticket count, sharp money action, see what's going on here. But uh, I see from what we can see on Twitter again. I don't know if they're betting this. Way more people are back in the tortoise. People are laying 170. There's people literally wanting to cross on this. I saw a couple uh, doc better on Twitter. He's he's willing to cross with anyone who wants the tortoise, and I actually I, I think that guy's pretty sharp. I've talked to him a, a few times before, so I don't know if he's what he's thinking, trying to back bend the better, but who who knows? At plus 130, you think you have to think, okay. You're obviously coin flipping you're going to want to bet plus one thirty is the bet at Ben the better. who in their right mind's laying minus seventy, but it's just so funny because like i get I get why people don't want to bet on Ben the better. I get it's a value bet. I get you're getting plus one thirty for a coin flip, but if you followed this guy over the past of the last two years, followed all the things he's mushed, I don't see how you you would want to
0: bet him he is truly the ultimate mush like it it's it's one of those where like I've never encountered someone. I mean, I, that's not true. There's been a few people over time where, like, they tweet out a pick and they're on the same side of you on a game, and you're like, I need to buy off. Like, I, I need to just, there's no way that this is winning. And Ben is truly one of those guys. But, like, really, the, the, how do you not bet the plus 130 though? Like, I, 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 theoretically, He's, I know he's terrible. I know he's hit like at forty percent over his last eight hundred plays, which seems almost inconceivable. But like, it's more than eight hundred.
1: This has got. This has like been a thing for three years. I remember.
0: I remember seeing this guy on Twitter
1: three years ago, and people were saying, "Oh, everyone fades this guy's picks. He can't. He can't win." And I followed him for three years, and. I mean, I don't think he's had a winning month. I don't know how he's tracking his stuff. He posted on Betstamp for a bit. We reached out to me. He's posting. Obviously, he was down big there. He's doing his Patreon now. He's down whatever hundred units. I get it, and obviously, I'd take if you gave me a bet. You're like, you gotta, you gotta bet on this. You're betting Ben 130 or the Tortoise 170. Obviously, I'm taking the 130. But as a joke, and even not as a joke, this guy can't wait. It's hilarious.
0: <sighs> I, I I don't want to spend the entire pod talking about uh, Ben. Uh, we've talked about him quite a bit, but I, I do want to ask you one question, Johnny, because this has been the negative commentary I've gotten surrounding this, um, and I think it's like it's somewhat fair, but it it isn't, I guess, if you understand the the gambling Twitter community. But a lot of people are mad at me for the reason that I'm giving Ben a platform, where it's like you're, you know, people might might go to his Patreon and and buy his picks, and you're you're kind of promoting some sort of tout and like my response is the guy is a joke like everyone knows that he's a joke he tweets his recap about how much of a joke he is regularly he's like begging for tips um like like am I doing damage because no no, I don't think
1: you are because it's hypocritical for me if I am right no I, I mean yeah it's not like again We had talked about this before, but I'm okay with people buying picks as long as they're doing it honestly, openly, and they know what they're doing. They know what they're getting into. Uh, For sure, 99.99% of people buying Ben's picks are fading his picks. He knows that. Everyone tweets him. Everybody knows that. When he goes 0-4, people comment on his things with a parlay screenshot of all four of his bets that they just hit now at plus plus a 1,000. Everybody knows this is happening. So... I don't think anyone's legitimately going to Ben the better's page and buying his picks because they found out about him. They think he's going to win. And lastly, you're mostly doing it for a joke with your buddies. Um, but, uh, But lastly, I will give Ben credit on one thing. Hate the guy all you want for his picks, for his personality, whatever it is, the guy is honest. He honestly and openly recaps his plays no matter how much he's down. He's posting fair lines. Give the guy some credit where it's due.
0: I agree. He's he's transparent and I I think people who are doing their due diligence on Ben are not going to be misled in any situation because like you said he's recapping, he's posting real lines. So from that perspective, I mean it, it kind of rattled me this week when people were calling me out on that. It's like, "Oh, stop giving this scammer a platform." He's not really scamming. Like he's he's charging for a service that is absolute dog shit, but he's letting people know regularly about how bad the service is. So Um, I mean, yeah, when you pay for Ben, the better you pay
1: for the entertainment and then you're getting your money's worth and we'll see. We'll see how this challenge goes. I mean, we're going to track it on. It'll be tracked on bet stamp on the featured page. So anyone could come over and like see it, the odd stuff being posted. I didn't even think that was going to happen. That's hilarious, but I guess it got a lot more engagement. Hopefully they post, if they trade this live, this would be hilarious. But I mean, I guess it's going to depend on how much action they're actually getting and if it's going to be even worth the time Two fifty also as a limit. It's fairly high. I I do bet a lot of low limit stuff. Um, two fifty is a good pop. I mean, there's nothing wrong with two fifty.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I, I that that's kind of the re, well, I retweeted it because I thought it was funny just in general. But like, at least there, at least people can get a real bet down, like something that makes it somewhat interesting for them instead of like a ten dollar, twenty dollar limit. So I, I will credit for Bovada at least for for doing that. But uh, I, I'll tell you, Johnny, last thing on this. I tried today at lunch for about half an hour to figure out how I'm going to make this work because I, I wanted to record a video of of Tortellini eating. How I'm going to set things up um, to, to like make sure that it's fair, and I got some like real thinking to do over the weekend here because like I have to design this so that he's walking in a direct straight line. There's like even um, equal opportunity for him to take either piece of food. It's logistically much. better. A much bigger nightmare and tortoises are cold-blooded animals so he wakes up in the morning he won't eat right away because he can't digest unless he goes under his heat lamp for like a couple hours so I, I have to be on the tortoises schedule as well which is like another factor it sounds so this is so ridiculous that we're even talking about this but like i have to spend my weekend now just figuring out how logistically i'm gonna get this to happen and whether or not i can make it like if ben picks eight games in a day i I, I don't put, want to. See. You know
1: what you have to do? Just put like one, the tortoise picks once and he either picks, you know, all of this and you write them on a, on a piece of paper and split it up. And he's got two options. And then those, I, it, I thought about that. Just, the, the, the tortoise is just coin flipping.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it. I it's mean, more for we'll... the
1: fun of the video, who cares what his actual picks are? But uh, yeah, people may be able to finally make double. There, there's big opportunities. If you bet the tortoise and then you could also fade all Ben's plays that he gives out. For free because they're not going to be on his Patreon. It's big money making opportunities as I as I've heard on Twitter, but not in, in serious. I'm I'm just joking. They're like don't I, don't, I, I, don't fade or tail any of these picks in this. Make your own stuff.
0: I wonder if there's going to be an arb to be had here. Like, is so much tortellini money going to come in that the line moves and you can get like plus one eighty on Ben at some point?
1: The sharp guy's got to come in at some point though. <laughs> The sharp guys will come in at some, at some point. No. Uh, okay. Well, well, Let's so, move so, on. No, no, we're not going to move nope. on. One more, que- okay. one okay. more question.
0: I give you a $10,000 bet. Forget about the limits that are set right now. $10,000. What number do you need to take Ben? Are you actually booking this or just I'm not, a hypothetical? I, I'm not giving you 10,000. Although, I mean, if I, if I put Vig on it, whatever, we could probably figure something out, but I, I want to know what your number is essentially. Like, where's the point where you're like. This is too stupid of a line now. I have to, I have to take Ben at this point.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, it's
0: it's honestly tough. It
1: really is. Plus, like plus one hundred one in theory is, is good on Ben the better. This is theory. Plus 05, plus five, plus ten. Yes, you got to be taking Ben. Um, I think I do think though Ben is worse than a coin flipper, and I'm not. And I'm it's it's a joke here. Like oh, Ben sucks. Whatever. He's not good at picking picking games. I do think there is some people who are going to be worse than a, a coin flipper. It's why some books in the US held whatever 19%. Because they're take they're playing higher VIG stuff. They're just picking, you know, public games, off market numbers in the wrong direction because those are the public sides that are being juiced. So I think we're going to be doing this competition on BetSamp. It's going to be at track that bet Chris lines and they're going to be picking the exact same games, which means it's going to be betting both 110 straight games. So it really is a 50, 50. So in theory, I will take plus one Oh five on Ben, the better, but I'll tell you right now that would be the shittiest bet to lose ever. I would feel so garbage and probably like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet it as it is right now. I wouldn't bet it because how bad would you feel if you lost that bet would, would like outweigh any of the positive EV I'd even get on this thing. So with that being said, I'm gonna change it. I would need plus one twenty
0: yeah i think I think you have to run i I am not doing the math off the top of my head here, but for me, I would run how often a fifty percenter beats a forty percenter um and <laughs> you think Penn's a forty percenter I mean we're... we're we're at such a large sample. He's probably not. No, but so he's like not a 40% maybe- on,
1: he's a 40 percenter when he puts parlays and player props and when he bets all this stuff, but he, he's not a 40 percenter against like regular NBA sides on, uh, against Chris lines at minus 10.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's not fair. So I, I, that's, that's the methodology I would take. I take probably all of his straight bets over the course of whatever I could find, figure out the clip he's hitting at, compare it to what a coin flip should be theoretically he should be a coin flip, but I agree with you. There's just something innate in Ben that makes him like puts his mush factor at a hundred and, uh, it's going to be interesting, but, uh, we'll move on. We'll move on. Okay. So let's get
1: into some uh, real topics that can hopefully help some people and maybe be more or less interesting to listen to. Uh, Rob, I know we wanted to talk about NBA, uh, sorry, MLB preseason, which, uh, you know, started a couple of days back and Essentially, this is a big market because people say, you know, who's gonna bet at the preseason? You got to be a huge degenerate to place preseason bets. But in reality, like there are big fish still betting the preseason. Anyone who's betting MLB uh professionally and doing it to make an earn, anybody who's you know board watching is betting MLB preseason, and there is you know high enough limits and it's offered everywhere to the point where there is money to be made if you know what you're doing. Uh, but with that being said it's obviously a much smaller market than an MLB regular season based on the liquidity. So what we can talk about here and what I'm hoping we, uh, we can discuss is some strategy and um, you know, even just hypothetical or not hypothetical, but what would we do to gain an edge in the preseason market versus, you know, the regular season. So Rob, uh, I'll turn it over to you.
0: Yeah. So we can, I'll talk about spring training because uh, I've I've bet spring training in the past before, but there's, there's something I definitely want to hit on there, which I think is, is just a good subject to, to broach in general. Uh, I remember getting into it with a Boston beat reporter either last year, two years ago. I, I'm horrible with time, but it was something along the lines of him tweeting that you need to be an absolute degenerate to, to be betting on spring training, which is completely false because the way a market works is you only have to be better than the other people that are betting into that market. I do not need to know exactly what the prob- win probability is going to be for a team on a game. I just have to be able to predict it better than others. And this is the way that sports betting markets work. And I I can never understand that uh, well I do understand it. It's people that are not knowledgeable in the sports betting space that spew this type of propaganda like you're you're a degenerate if you bet this. It's like, "No, I'm looking for an edge any way I can find it." And in fact, In a lot of these markets like spring training baseball it is very difficult for people to come up with a number on the game and project an implied probability for either or true probability for either team and because of that if you're good at doing it it could be a very lucrative market now granted the limits are not as high in spring training as they are in the regular season and all that stuff comes into account but just a lesson to be learned with, with market sports betting markets in general it's not about having perfect win probabilities that's not what it's about at all it's being better than the same people betting into that market so that's just like a a general rule of thumb for anyone who calls you a degenerate for betting something where you actually have an edge i bet on nba first team to score for two years the the first team to score a bucket in a game and People will die of laughter when they heard that. How could you possibly like you're you're flipping coins and it's like no. I mean I know how they're being priced. It's a huge inefficiency. I'm going to exploit that, and the same goes for spring training.
1: Yeah, we can actually probably get into that in another episode. I have a couple of things that are hilarious that I had built models for and bet as well. Like I, I bet on I bet on the World Chess Championships over the uh, <laughs> over the pandemic. Did did fairly well. And, um, I mean, like it's literally chess, two guys playing chess, not even in person They're playing on the computer and you could watch it through the screen, but there is something to like being, you know, you're a degenerate. If you're, you know, have, if you don't have an edge in your bed and you, you know, went through a whole day, a whole Saturday of college football and you lost all your money and you're trying to chase and you lost it on the, the Hawaii game as well. And you stayed up even further and bet on Australian rugby, then I'll, you know, at that point. yes. Sounds like,
0: people... sounds like you might've gone down that, that path before. It seems <laughs> like a very personal experience for you.
1: It's no, no, I, I haven't, uh, I have, I have bets on, uh, you know, a couple of things for fun late night. If, if there's something on and you're, you know, having a couple of beers with the guys, but nothing like no real money and, and nothing that I knew, you know, entertainment value stuff. Um, Back in the day. I don't even do that stuff anymore. I haven't done for a while, but, but yes, everyone, everyone starts like that and has some fun. But, uh, anyways, let's get into the preseason. What edges do you think they like, what would you do if you were betting it this year? I know you're not. And what edges did you think you potentially had in the past? What can we share here?
0: So I think timing to market is very important. Like being able to get to market as quickly as possible, because this is very news driven in general right? Everybody's waiting for spring training lineups to come out and then they bet the game almost immediately. So you have to have some sort of process in place where you can get that lineup quickly, process it very quickly and bet it quickly. Uh, Or else you're going to get left in the dust because anyone who's seen the spring training markets, like it's not like games move five cents. Some of them move like 50, 60 cents. There's some pretty crazy moves. You'll sometimes see a team that's Well, I mean, I'm not betting spring training this year, so I can't speak to specifically this year, but I've seen times in the past before where there's a team that's minus 150 in a game and the other team closes as minus 150 in that same game. You just don't see other movement like that. And that's because some teams will put out lineups that are so bad with like a bunch of A ballers, for example, against a major league lineup sometimes, and you get some really drastic shifts. So you have to be equipped to handle the news. Um, There's good tools to do that. I mean, I use TweetDeck. I set up lists. That's just the way that I have always done it in general. Um, I seek out a lot of information myself because there's edges to be had there. Uh, I remember, I think the I think it was Zach Greinke. I could be wrong, but there was times where like there's public reports that a pitcher is going to only throw changeups, only throw curveballs in this start. Like they're just working on a pitch. The game doesn't matter to them. And like that's if you if you know that information it might be very hard to quantify exactly what that means but it's probably not included in the line already and you can just bet that the opposite side at that price so i think spring training is very news driven personally that's not to say you can't model it but it's obviously very difficult with some players only playing two innings one inning whatever it's it's very chaotic um if you can keep on top of news get to market pretty quickly uh, it's it's actually a, an extremely sizable edge
1: yeah i agree um first and foremost the edge is going to be on news it's just modeling the the a ball players the triple a players based on their stats and trying to get an edge there i'm not saying you can't but the size of the edge is going to be significantly smaller than if you just bet on news if you're first to market like another example is just them saying like yeah this pitcher is going to start and pitch 3 innings versus this pitcher is going to start and pitch 1 inning. Like that alone would be enough to back that team blindly uh because you know the line's going to move minimum 10 cents. Like I'm talking obviously good pitchers here, but if you've got um you know what I mean, Trevor Bauer pitching and they're like he's going to only pitch 1 inning, then you already know someone else is coming in that's going to be worse than Trevor Bauer, right? And if he's going to pitch a 6 inning game in a pre like a spring training game, then you know it's very high likelihood they're going to win that game if he's going to pitch the full game so stuff like that is big um also monitoring rule changes like nobody does this in every sport you have to monitor the rule changes that come into effect for this new year because they're never factored into the market as much as they should and if they are factored in there's inefficiencies in the way they are factored in and it settles you know maybe a couple months into the season so like tell them about the one you sent me like the
0: Yeah. I, so, so he, here's an official rule for th- this is, I'll be honest with you, Johnny, this is why I'm not betting spring training this year. I, I think just in general, like spring training, you can find edges for sure, but it, it's a higher vig market on, on the majority of sports books, just in general. So this one really got me this year because I saw someone on Twitter post it and I was like, this cannot be right. And then I actually looked into it. So for spring training games through Saturday, March 13th, the official baseball rule 5.09E will be relaxed, allowing defensive managers to end an inning prior to three outs following any completed plate appearance, provided the pitcher has thrown at least 20 pitches. So what that means is if the pitcher has thrown 20 pitches and one team has the bases loaded, the manager on the other team can come out and say, Inning over, we're done here. Let's move on. Like how tilting could it possibly get? Like it's happened a few times already. I've seen people complaining about it on Twitter. I would would break so many things around me if I knew that happened in general. Now it can happen either way in a game. It's probably more likely to happen to one team than another, depending on the manager's usage in that game, how they're spacing things out. Uh, if they have pitchers going one inning or multiple innings or whatever, or just
1: if the manager has done it before and and is is utilizing that,
0: right? So there's there's like I started thinking like how do I account for this? And the the real answer is I doubt anyone is. They're probably just applying it as like an equal probability of happening to both sides. But man, it's uh, with 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 COVID and the way things are happening this year with news coming in at. Various points of the day in other sports, it, it just became too much for me. And then you add in like a rule change like that on top of it, and I would absolutely lose my mind.
1: Yeah. So that's got to be like, like you said, it's all time tilt. If that happens to you, like I can only imagine, like bases loaded zero outs. And I'm like, all right, this inning's over. You're like <laughs> you're like, holy. I cannot, like, why do my, this is, that's the all time. Why the hell do I bet on anything moment? If that happens to you now, again, like you said, it could happen for you or against you. It's just as equally likely to, you know, based on if like, you know, if you're coin flipping, but man, that's frustrating. I think another uh, potential edge in the preseason versus the regular season is to uh, like, we are talking about essentially modeling the managers in some capacity. So, like if they want to win the game, then they could win the game, right? Because they have the tools to play better players or to p- actually pinch hit or to get guys certain action. Like they have good players on the roster, on the active roster, and they're choosing essentially because it's preseason, the game doesn't matter to play worse players. So not that they can win the game 100% of the time, but if, if the Cincinnati Reds are playing the Dodgers and the Reds are playing their full roster, starting pitchers, full bullpen, they're, they're you know, they're going to beat the Dodgers training training squad so modeling kind of what managers or even just watching from a quant uh qualitative standpoint and see who's actually trying to win the games um because it is sports and people are still competitive right so when that triple a ball player goes in he's still trying to hit a home run he's still not he's not trying to strike out so mo- modeling the managers and seeing you know this guy's actually been trying to win he's trying to pinch hit he's making good decisions he's having guys steal bases when you know what I mean? Like he's not just out there to have a a day. Having that and modeling those type of managers could give you a small edge you need. And it's something that people who might be watching or following spring training would, would know already. It's not something you have to dig into and scrape a bunch of data if you don't want to.
0: I've had a couple people uh, mention something to me uh, that I've never actually validated, but it's sort of like a theory that they had on spring training. And I think it's interesting and I don't know if it's real or not, but they talked about positional battles and players that are fighting for a roster spot. And, um, when they see those players included in a lineup that they're more likely to wager on that team, or they give a, a boost to that team. And it's tough because like you think of professional athletes and you, you want to assume that they're all trying at all times, but you have an established ball player who might be in the lineup, testing out a new swing. He's been working with, with the batting coach, it's like he's got nothing to lose, right? He's going to go up there, and take a few hacks. Maybe he's going to see a bunch of pitches, something like that. Versus someone who's really fighting to get on that opening day roster. Um, now it's it's only a few players here or there, so it's not anything big, and it could be maybe a pitcher out of the bullpen or something like that. But I I found that interesting. Like it's just another aspect of someone trying to gain an edge. Uh, I, I would obviously like if it was me that was looking at something like that. I would try to validate that hypothesis in in some capacity, which might be an understandably difficult to do so. But um, do do you think that there's any validity there in, in like later on in spring training betting the teams that are are playing guys that are competing for roster spots?
1: I think there is. I don't know how much. Like I don't know if that edge would be big enough to overcome the vig because they're still professional players, right? So these guys have been playing for years. If but but at the same time, like there's definitely something to it, right? Because Mike Trout, he has zero risk of losing his roster spot. He has a roster spot on every team in any any game. So maybe he's trying out a new swing, like you said, but likely he's still going to be good. He's still going to be able to go up to the plate and know what he's doing. He's not going to be shit. But at the same time, like, did Mike Trout just roll out of bed an hour ago because it's a spring training game and he didn't care? Or is he going through his regular stuff and and actually coming focused and you know did he get a good sleep last night or was he out because like things like that have have validity even with any any leagues preseason uh, and I'm sure a lot of the players you know roll out of bed on a weekly basis and just go in or, or were out the le- last night in the NHL and still play the game and play just fine um, but having it as a preseason game it's almost like if you ever played sports as a kid I would know like if, if you had a, a tournament game for hockey an overnight tournament and the game in the morning means nothing. Whether you win or lose, you got the bye to the the semifinals. Like that's the game where everyone's tr- messing around, trying a little more stuff in it. And ultimately, there is an edge there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent here, as uh, as I tend to do every now and then. But it's funny that you mentioned. Like, did Mike Trout just roll out of bed, or was he out late the night before, or something like that? I've probably gotten like a dozen scoops in my life of a player partying hard the night before, a team being out together, something like that, I swear these never win. Like it's, it's, I finally won one like in, in Vegas's first season where a a friend of mine, um, slam deal on, on Twitter messaged me saying like, I'm, I'm at a nightclub right now. And I think it was the San Jose sharks. He's like, all of the sharks are here and they are playing in Vegas tomorrow. And like, these guys are getting sloshed and i'm like okay that's not reflected in the line i'm going to win that one but or bet that one and and it ended up winning but like i've gotten so many of these over the course of my life where someone just messages me like i'm here this guy is in really bad shape and and it, this reminds me of a story of when i i first started at the score i worked with with someone named richard garner um and he just comes into the office one day and he's he's so excited and he's like I was at the underground in Toronto last night. I was there to like last call Esteban Loiza was there like with me. And he's, he was like, people had to carry him out of there. And he's pitching at one o'clock today. Like he's, he's, he's got the start. And he's like, I just remember Richard putting, uh, I won't disclose the amounts, but he put a lot of ma- money betting against Esteban Loiza. Loiza went like, it was something stupid, like seven, two thirds innings. He gave up one run. He looked completely trashed on the mound. Like he was sweating, like he looked hungover visibly. And it was so frustrating for this guy just watching. And uh, like, I, I die of laughter and sorry, I took it off a tangent, but it, it brought me back to those memories. And I've thought of that, but like, personally, I run so bad on the news stories. Like, <laughs>
1: well, it's like you, if a guy's out partying, you have to compare that against his priors. Is he fine playing like that? And it's, it's, we joke about it, but that's actually the reality is like, if a guy has a wrist injury and he's had that wrist injury every single year and it doesn't impact his performance, then don't factor in that wrist injury. It's the same way, like, it's a, it's a similar thing, right? So that's a joke story. I mean, I feel bad for anyone who's got burn betting against these edges or these per- perceived edges, but yeah, who knows? It's a, it's a weird game.
0: It's it a is. Weird game. Is the the first year of the Vegas NHL franchise is what really killed me because they lost so few home games that year, but it was like all the ones that I knew the other team was out the night before, like people were sending me guest lists, literally to to nightclubs with with the people there, pictures of of guys that like were there till three in the morning, and it's like they you you wouldn't even professional athletes, I guess they know what they're capable of. They know that uh, I, I don't know, but horrible, horrible run for me on those. Sorry to derail it. I had no, to, I had to bring it up, bring it up.
1: That's jokes. Okay. So I think that are we, are we, uh, we got on MLB preseason or did you want to MS any other things for spring training?
0: No, I think I, I, I do like to just wrap, uh, wrap up with, with the, the points that we've made, I, I think it's very news driven for sure. It's a market where you, you have to be ready to capitalize quickly. Um, on any sort of news and, and the more time you can spend, like, this sounds like I'm talking about handicappers from like the seventies and and the eighties, like where people were waiting at, at airports for the incoming newspapers or newspapers to come in from, from different cities and stuff like that to read news. But it's, it's like one of those where I remember when I was hardcore betting spring training, I would read like local newspapers. On a daily basis because they had inside scoops on pictures that weren't publicly available. Now a lot of that's available on Twitter, so it might be a waste of time, but it's so heavily news driven that if you're not willing to put in that that effort to keep up with it, to get up get lineups on time, just just don't bet it.
1: Okay. Well, definitely don't read newspapers because it's 2021. <laughs> Online um, newspapers now. But but no, no, he, he makes a good point. Like beat reporters are huge. You you everybody needs to have a list. Uh, I haven't publicly shared mine, but maybe we maybe we will um, on the BetSam platform soon. Everyone needs to have a list of all the beat reporters for the specific teams, and you'll, you'll eventually catch on to trends. Like, this guy always tweets the lineup around 10 to 11 a.m. If he's doing that every time, then you can just, you know, turn notifications on or turn notifications on just during that time if you really need something. So, um, yeah, Hawk injury news, Hawk lineup news, Hawk all that stuff. That's for every sport. Um, but in reality, like, yeah, like for spring training, the the new swings are crazy. You, you need to do it. It's a great point.
0: All right. Not, we'll not
1: physical on. newspapers though.
0: Well, no, I, I, when was the last time you read a physical, actually, I read a physical newspaper on a plane a couple of years ago. That was the last time.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never read a newspaper.
0: Oh my God. Ne- never,
1: never. I've never read a physical newspaper now.
0: Well, I'm showing my age then because I'm sure there's a, problem, a lot of people who resonate with you. Um, I can't remember the last time I've seen a newspaper out, uh, outside of on a plane where they just, you know, come up and Mr. Pizzola, you want mm-hmm. be like, here's your options. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll take this, but all right. That's,
1: okay. So getting on uh next topic, I think we're going to talk about the, uh, the new trend odds boosters.
0: Oh man. I, I get, I get so many questions about the, the odds boosters in general. And, and it's been a big thing. Like it's a marketing tactic at this point for sports books, right? Like, let's call it out for what it is. But that doesn't mean that there's you should never bet an odds boost because there are situations. But um, yeah, so that like that's a common question for me. Is this worth it? Is am I getting the right price to to bet this? Um, and I think a lot of people don't really know the answer to that, Johnny.
1: Okay, so I I'll uh, I'll take it over for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about or, or may play at books that don't offer these. What we're referring to is what's called as like a daily booster, daily bonus, odds boost, odds booster on some of these sites. They're available pretty widely right now. Uh, you know, like there's like DraftKings, FanDuel, Points Bet, a couple of the offshore books will offer whether it's between you know two to ten things per day, where they say this odds or these odds were X and they're now X for this specific event. So for example, you can bet the Boston Celtics today uh, plus 160 was plus 160, but today you can get them plus 180, and or maybe it's a two-team parlay, maybe it's a four-team parlay, uh, maybe it's you know Gronkowski to score plus the Buccaneers to win, anything like that. It comes on and they they market them in a separate section. They tie different promotions to them, um, and we we're we're gonna break them down today and essentially talk about if they are good, if some of them are good, or if it is just a marketing ploy. Uh, But to do that first, what we need to do is essentially like break down how you can calculate if these are good for yourself without having to ask Rob, without having to ask me, without having to do anything other than whatever, a minute of work for yourself. Okay. So a lot of times these people will boost the odds up and it won't even necessarily be a range that's better than like what any other site offers on a daily basis. So we talk about line shopping a lot. It's a weekly topic that comes up at least once, all you need to do for these odds, boosts to make, to see if they're good or not is check other reputable sites, other reputable sports books, and see if that the the thing you want to bet on, on the odds booth boost is available regularly on the other site at any given time. So for example. If they're giving you Boston Celtics plus 180 and you can go over to a book like Bet Chris or Pinnacle and they're offering Boston at plus 180, then this is not an edge. It's nothing more than just you shopping around and getting the best number that was available anyways, or maybe not even the best number that was available. So first and foremost, if it's on a straight event, on a straight game, if your odds boost is Conor McGregor to win by knockout, check if that's the true price for him to win by knockout. Okay? Okay. If it's not, if you can arb out of this, which is essentially bet the other side at a big free price. So if Pinnacle is offering, you know, minus 170 on the team playing the Celtics and you can bet it at plus 180, then, you know, you have a small edge there and you can go ahead and bet that at plus expected value, have your fun, whatever. Um, so that's that's first and foremost is just shop around and see if these things are actually the best price in the market. Because a lot of times they're boosted on a market with a lot of hold and they go from having a lot of hold to sort of a lot of hold. And there's still, you know, terrible bets that are just used to get more action in that section of the site or in that little little section. So that's first and foremost is that. And we can talk about a few more more uh tips. But first Rob, any thoughts?
0: Well that's very that's a very common practice I see. Um is the, what's being offered for an odds boost is something that's already a little bit off market and it's just boosted to get it to like what is a market price just in general. So, I think that's really good advice in general. Uh and it, like you can you can take the advice that Johnny just gave, and it doesn't only apply to odds boosts in general, right? It's always like when you're comparing numbers to to Chris and and Pinnacle it, in general, which are the truest indicators we have of a probability in a game at any given time, just because of the, the limits that they're taking, or in some cases, circa as well I- in Vegas. But like, if you're just comparing to those sports books and you're getting a better price than is being offered at those sports books, you almost always have value in that A situation. better price than
1: like a better VIG free price. Correct. Like, Sorry, a better price that can overcome the VIG. Come, correct. So yeah, no, I- absolutely. And like other things to think of with these odds boosters, like uh, people can make a lot of money because at times they are a good value and you can bet them. So for example, like these things are always, almost always fixed odds, which means they don't move the odds when the, the game line moves. So for example, if you see, you know, Lakers and the over as an odds boost and the Lakers are playing the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard gets ruled out, then they're going to move the game line the sportsbook every sports sportsbook's gonna take that game line off the board but there's gonna be most instances where the that odds boost stays on the board and it may even stay up till post if they don't remove it so things like waiting till before the game to bet these and then kind of like checking around what the market numbers are you can find some way way big off market prices based on injury news or shifts during the baseball season keep an eye out for any pitching changes like when a pitcher changes the line significantly moves in one direction or the other. It's one of the main reasons why uh, sports books offer, you know, listed pitchers and action, no action. So some of uh, them, a, some of yeah, them, have some, changed some of them, well, who who knows with COVID this year, <laughs> right. last year is a thing, but there's that. the reason is because if the pitcher is changed, that's the biggest, you know, impact on any crop, probably across all of the major sports would be a starting pitcher change. Um, so, it, or I guess a quarterback either way, like take a look and, and a, one tip that I can give is wait until right before post, right before the game starts to actually bet these, because that's when you're getting the truer price or right next to the closing price versus the opening price. So you, you, if injury news happens against you, you can, you know, write that off and you don't have to play it. And if injury news happens, that helps you, then you can play it at that point. So it's a great way to just, you know, minimize any risk that happens because it's a fixed onset.
0: Right. So that's that's the efficient market hypothesis, right? For anyone that doesn't know, they can look it up pretty quickly, but the closing line in a game um is the it, like I said is the is the truest indicator of the the probability of that game that we have. And that's why lines move in general, and that's why openers don't stay the same over the course of the the the, the day and the next day because um, betters are betting into that market and, and kind of shaping that line. So if you do wait till the end, um, and it, and it's kind of like the same strategy with long teasers, right. Is like, wait till last minute on the NFL long teasers, because at that point we have the best, at, you know, the lines are what they are. It's, it's what the market has decided the probability is of, of the outcomes of these games. So, uh, I think that's just good advice, uh, advice for the odds boosts and it applies, uh, across Numerous different types of bets that you can make.
1: Great. Uh, couldn't agree more. Something else to look for is uh, correlation within these within these things if they're offered as a parlay. So, for example, uh, if you have Rob Gronkowski to score and Tampa Bay to win, uh, those are like, you know, they're not the most correlated thing you can get in the market, but they're heavily correlated, right? If Gronkowski scores a touchdown, that means, you know, you know, at the minimum, Tampa has seven points on the board. Uh, so something like that. You need to factor in so if you're getting like let's say you can take a look at pinnacle or chris and the parlay they pay is similar to this but you're getting a correlation that may be enough to boost it up and then again if you're if you're having fun if you wanted to watch the tampa bay game that's a you know a good way to to boost your odds and not actually you know have a negative ev ev bet maybe just have you know something that's even expected value so looking at correlation helps a lot uh it also helps when you have a big favorite and the over in in college football or in the NBA, obviously, when there's a big favorite to cover like a minus 14 and a half in the NBA or like a minus 30 in college football with the over, those are going to be correlated. And then, um, you know, adversely, a large underdog, a plus 30 in college football, you're going to want to also have the under uh, parlayed with that instead of the over. So those are two things to work to to look at as well. And then uh, my last tip on this before I hand it back to Rob is to actually convert the odds to win probabilities. And there's tons of tools. So you can do this online, or you can just have a formula in Excel, but you're going to want to convert these to win probability to see how much these odds are actually boosted. And a lot of times it's comical how small they are, because people don't realize that if you look at something in terms of the cents, like 40 cents juice, 60 cents juice, it's really, it's that's not how you should be looking at these markets, right? So if you have something that's boosted from plus 100 to plus 160, then that 60 cents is, is huge, right? If you have something that's boosted from plus 500 to plus 560, then that's not really a big deal. So I can give you like a real example is, like the Rob Gronkowski scores, first touchdown type things. It might say boosted from plus 1600 to plus 2000. Right. And when people see that 400 cents, they think, wow, this is huge. I'm getting plus 2000. I was only if I bet hundred, I was going to win 1600. Now I'm going to win two grand. They think it's a huge deal. But in reality, if you convert those to win probability um, you're looking at essentially like a 1% change, right? So it's like uh, offhand. It's like I did the math 1.12%. It's nothing in the grand scheme of things. Like you wouldn't even be bothered by how low, like if you saw that move from, you know, minus 10 to minus Oh nine or minus seven, you're not going to think it's a big deal. But in reality, it's the same thing.
0: Oh man, this is like an epidemic across, um, just the recreational gambling community. I would say is the, the usage of sense instead of probability. It happens all the time. I mean, it's 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 not a difficult concept to grasp, but if you're not used to it, um, like going from minus 140 to minus 150 is very different than going from minus 240 to minus 250. The further you get away from that 100 number, uh, the more minimal the, the percentage swing is. And um, I, I recently saw someone on Twitter, I think, patting their back for betting a future that was like, pl- it was... Absurd, like plus fifty thousand, and they move the line to like plus forty thousand, and it's like they're like, oh, like you know, the, the book is moving off my action, and it's patting myself on the back for the great CLV, and it's like that is such a minimal move. That's kind of I, I laugh a little bit, but they're they're looking Hilarious. at the swing, swing to ten thousand. So um, yeah, I mean that's just a general good philosophy in general. Uh, I can. I mean i'm this is me not trying to pat myself on the back but i'm so accustomed to dealing with probabilities now that i can convert them like the odds prices in my head just from years of doing this and i think that's a good exercise just in general of always bringing it back to the difference in probability rather than the difference in in sense and i mean again i think we talk uh, johnny about things that i mean we're talking about odds boosts right now but these are concepts that can be applied to, to everything really, like think about the NFL as an example, right? The difference between three and two and a half is not the same as the difference between ten and nine and a half. They're yeah, I very think I very saw different.
1: Ravel tweet once, like this game was the biggest move of the week, and then it was something that moved from like five and a half to three and a half.
0: Right, two, two to, to two Yeah, exactly. two to two. Yeah, two yeah. to two. So
1: for for everyone, like I I even saw actually on uh on Twitter, I see the Montana sports betting lottery i believe it is actually does deal like minus 25 minus 25 on some like major markets which is tough um but and and people do post like wow look at this like they're taking 50 cents juice and and that is true uh but then i see some people who don't really know what they're talking about tweeting like a screenshot of an MLB game at minus 220 and plus 170 and they're like look at these guys they're taking 50 cents juice in this game but really like that's you know the same. That's just the whole percentage amplified over. If you convert them to win probability, they're going to add up to the same thing. So people will learn that over time. Anyone who's listening right now, um, just like convert it. There's tons of tools online that you can learn, like read up on how to do it. Like Rob said, if you're going to actually like bet for real, and you want to be, have, you know, a life longevity in sports betting, just figure out how to convert the odds uh, to win probabilities. And if you can start thinking in terms of probabilities, you're going to open up a lot of doors on the the stuff you're going to, you're going to bet on.
0: I think that's uh, a good, good ending to that topic, uh, on the odds boost. I think there's a lot of good points there in general.
1: Okay. So anything else you wanted to talk about? NFTs. Quick recap. Okay. So, uh, Rob's week in NFTs, I'll hand it over to Rob Pizzola. He's going to discuss his week in NFTs.
0: I mean, listen. I'm, I'm. We talked about this last week uh, ad nauseum. I think this is a fascinating space, right? Uh, you probably saw the Kings of Leon news this week releasing their new album as an NFT. I did. Which, I did. Like, this is happening. Like, people people can choose to ignore it because they don't understand it, which is fine. But like, just do a little bit of research. It's not. It's not a supremely difficult concept. Just in general. Uh, it might seem overwhelming at first. Like I was trying to explain it to my, my father-in-law, uh, last time I was over there and he was, you know, he's kind of getting in and he's, this is a guy that's like very anti-crypto and he's like coming around. So it's good to see progress from that point of view. But, um, I want to capitalize. Like I I obviously want to make some money, uh, off this. And we talked about top shot last week. I I've literally spent a week going from site to site, to site, to site, checking all of these out to see what's still in its infancy. What's a, a, a marketing opportunity, uh, sorry, not marketing, uh, a, a money-making opportunity. I, I have like some soccer cards on some like Sorare website or something like that. So, I think it's so rare. So, <laughs> which makes a lot more sense than Sorare. I, I just always assume. So, yeah, like, I think it's so oh rare, my God. So- that soccer one. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, but I, I, I was thinking of it like some South American site, like so- Sorare, you know, like <laughs> I, 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 Sorare. But like I, you know, I, I checked that out and it was cool. I, I checked out like some horse racing site and some fantasy cards sites and stuff like that, and just dabbling in the space a little bit. Uh, you know, I was on. Checking out some crypto punks as well this week. That like building out algorithms to try to 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 price each punk appropriately based off of like exponential moving averages of of price sales and I, and I I'm I'm loving this stuff. Like it's something crypto new and punks fresh.
1: Is incredible.
0: It is like anyone who
1: spends a little bit of time in this like in the market like in the market reading it like checking out the sales falls in crypto punks is actually an unbelievable project. I'm I'm so
0: like I love it. So. I, I, typically don't like to talk too much about what I'm in, involved with, but I will like, I, I own a punk now. Uh, like, are you, are you invested in a punk? I am. I am. Okay. So, we're, so we're we're what are we punkers? What, what is, uh, what's the terminology here? Imagine being a no punker. That's what people say. Ima- okay. Imagine so, being a no punker. So I, I'm, not, I'm not a no punker. I'm not da- like, I don't know about what, what the hip community is talking about just in general. And, but yeah, I'm not a no punker now either. Um, uh, obviously this is very like with, with any investment I'm, I'm comfortable with, with risking investments in general. Like I bet on sports, I'm in heavily involved in crypto. It's not a problem for me. I, I do have like some less risky investments that are, are a large percentage of my portfolio as well. But, um, I think there's like, I think there's something interesting about punks just in general with the fact that they're limited in supply. That's something that i i really like about the punks overall relative to top shot where it's like yeah another pack drop i got another pack i'm gonna uh, sell these cards for a few hundred bucks but like it's gonna happen over and over and over i think it's really devaluing uh, a lot of the cards especially a lot of the common ones that are gonna just keep getting released and uh i I, i'm i'm a punker man i'm i'm all in like just on a day-to-day like i have I have notifications set up on my phone for like when bot when uh, the bot notifications for Come when on. punks up. I do as well. I didn't think anyone else did that. Oh yeah, I I because I'm right away like I I want to know if that was a steal or not and like if I missed it and when when it went on on like I went to sleep a couple nights ago and I woke up in the morning to all these notifications and I was like oh my god like someone is just these were steals overnight. I was like so depressed for I'm drinking my coffee like. Am I going to start staying up like through the night to see what comes on the market? Like, do I have to pay someone um, to, you know, to occupy themselves? Uh, just to I, get you I'm, punk steals midnight, middle of the night,
1: punk steal. I, I mean, what I love about crypto punks, and like, I won't even get into like the technology or stuff behind it, even though it fascinates like the hell out of me. And I've read so much about it, but um, like the different standards and the different ways the networks are built. But what I liked about punks is just, like, it's so simple to understand. And when you actually get into it, it's like a its own marketplace. So you have like the way crypto, by the way, it's the stupidest thing ever for anybody who's listening. If you're going to call it the stupidest thing ever and you want to, that's fine. I'll never just like, it is literally a computer generated image of a guy that looks like a punk or a guy or a girl that looks like a punk. There's 10,000 of them and they were randomly assigned different attributes that go on their face so there's like top hat cigarette short beard long beard luxurious fedora (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly like different caps and like each of those attributes has a level of scarcity and then each of the punks have different numbers of attributes so there's like one attribute punk two attribute five attribute and there's there's one single seven attribute punk that's like, man, what I would give to own that thing. Oh, that thing's a thing of beauty.
0: Uh, yeah, but- I mean, I, 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 I can feel your passion right now, and like I, I echo all of it. It's like it's become a, a semi addiction for me, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I, I love having like these these mini obsessions, but I will say, like I unveiled my punk to my. Uh, my in-laws and like my sister-in-law. And f- first I unveiled it to my w- <laughs> my wife who was like, she just, she literally laughed for like two minutes. I wish I had recorded from, I took a video of her at, like when she could finally speak again, but she saw this thing and she's like, you know, how much did we pay f- pay for this? And, and I told her the amount, like I told her the amount in Ethereum, which she has no idea. And then she's like, what is that in, in Canadian dollars? And uh, I told her the amount and she was just like, dying of laughter, but she's like, what, it, what is this? And then I showed it to my, my, uh, my, her, her family basically. And they were like, so underwhelmed. They were like, oh, like that, that's it. Like I was, I was expecting so much more. And that's what, that's what I think makes it hilarious is like the value on, um, what some people might call like garbage. I don't, fi- I don't think it's garbage personally, or else I wouldn't have invested of it, but like just with any market, it's worth what people are willing to pay for it, plain and simple. Um, I don't care that it's like a digital image that probably took someone like five seconds to code. It looks like it was painted in, in, in Microsoft paint. That doesn't matter to me. It's a market to me with, um, limited supply, the first NFT market as well, which I think will create some more demand down the road. Um, and, uh, I mean. Well, it's scarce it's, there is historic value in the fact that like it,
1: it, people some people like say that it essentially was inspiration to like pave the way for what is going to be the new network and who knows there may be newer networks that come in with better tech there's there's markets that will come in that potentially the technology will be better but overall like these things are scarce they're rare they're a hot market and it's the same thing as like any other market that's why i'm fascinated with it i'm not saying cryptopunks are going to go to a billion dollars i don't know it could it could go to zero tomorrow i don't know but I can still look at it, understand it, have a lot of fun with it and actually see like, Oh, this punk sold for this. This is like this many attributes. It was this, this is a scarce one. This is like the only one that has the combo of like these two, like you can start to just build it out and look at it and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, the crazy part is the the prices have appreciated so much that it's hard for people to like jump into the market just for fun. Um, you have to like, like I'm not, you, you basically have to have a lot of cash to, to own like I don't even own a full one. I don't, like I I went in with a, a couple buddies and we got a punk and whatever. It was more of a thing to do. I I don't see how people can afford like you know a hundred punks at this price range right now. But overall, man, it's a fun market.
0: But but isn't that what makes it a little bit more lucrative as well? Like that, I think in, so too. But I because don't, but I don't know because the cost of entry is so high in general and because. I don't want to say you, that you have to be wealthy to own a punk because that's not true. But most of the punks are owned by people that have that kind of capital that they can invest in a digital image for like 50,000 US dollars. Like, uh, so the, the likelihood that people just start selling off and the entire market collapses to me is much, much lower because of who is owning these right now. Um, I don't know. Do you Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. So I, I did a, like, I know you, you said you've been doing research into like modeling the attributes and stuff like that, or modeling. What I've been doing is, uh, tracking a lot of the stuff on the, on the blockchain and seeing the transactions. Um, and that's how I'm kind of trying to find an edge here. What I found is that like there's 10,000 punks. Um, when I first invested, there was about like 1300 punk owners. Now I think that's up to like 16 or 1700, but, If you think of it, that means like there's people with a lot of punks and you can see the accounts and the addresses that have 400 punks, 500 punks. These guys in theory have portfolios worth into the multi-millions, like, you know, 10 plus million for some of them. So when we're looking at this, it's like for this guy to sell off all his punks, he's going to tank the value of his portfolio significantly. Also, he was in all likelihood into crypto very early. He was into NFTs very early or he or she, uh, I don't mean to you know, specify, but like these people don't need the money. If Ethereum crashes and goes way down, these punks are appreciating and depreciating in Ethereum anyway. So yes, I I don't really see like a floor, um, a very, very like low floor. Like, I don't think they'll go to zero because the value that these people have right now, they would have to like purposely. Yeah, decimate I, their assets for for like for what and for what for what reason?
0: In, in a case like that, someone could always intentionally lower the floor of the prices of the market and like, but there would be no logical case for that to happen. I mean, it's always a gamble from that point of view. But I, I do, I am drawn to the fact that um, I don't, I don't have to convert my crypto to fiat in order to to buy, which bothered me with Topshot in general because for a while it's like. Do I want to deposit Bitcoin and have it stuck in U.S. dollars right now? Um, when when I was a little bit more bullish on on Bitcoin, it was at a lower price. It would I? I mean, it could have been a mistake. These are appreciating in Ethereum. Like I, I paid in Ethereum, and I'm willing to gamble the Ethereum because long term, I, I still believe in uh, that this crypto market has a lot of room to grow. So that that kind of was what drew me to it as well there's a lot of things but it won't be my only um nft market i'm i'm still exploring every day and i'm i'm very interested in this space right now um for those who are listening and and want to dabble or have dabbled in stuff hit me up on twitter in the dms uh or or you can message johnny at the betstamp account as well because i think we're we're both in the uh infancy of of our nft portfolio i would say
1: yeah and i, I got in definitely like after oh, after Crypto punks had appreciated a significant amount like it's not like I've been in since last year. Um, so well, it's an, it's an investment, it's a risk, it's a gamble, call it whatever you want. I still think like if you monitor any market and you can find an edge on that market, you can make money in it, right? So for example, with cryptopunks getting a lot more um, eyeballs right now and a growing like I know the price is, the price is high and the floor is high right now. But there's still like so many buy, sell, flip opportunities, people posting low, new entrants coming in that are going to be bidding high, don't really understand the market. If you can understand the market even a little bit, um, a lot of people are flipping like there's people who see an underpriced punk come in the market or potentially see somebody who like claimed one of these punks for free in 2017, uh, maybe doesn't have a ton of assets or capital now said holy like crypto punks i can sell my punk for how much and then they list it a little bit low for the the attributes they have and it gets scooped up in one minute and i've seen that now like 25 to 30 times where somebody came in tr- like a fir- like a, a new account that had claimed the punk sold it for i mean one guy i believe this is what i believe happened but i can never know for sure guy had an account of like six punks that he had claimed and, uh, people were submitting offers like low ball offers. So somebody submitted an offer for like one and a half Ethereum and this guy just like woke up one day and just accepted his offer for one and a half Ethereum. This punk was worth like 90 ETH. Yeah. And right after he, right after he did that, I saw like he was getting so many offers and people were just offering on his other punks. And he had like one of the rare six attribute punks and he sold that thing for like, a couple minutes later for 60th because someone bid 60 and he accepted that offer and that thing's worth like right now it's like 200 so people were just coming in like steal that's this is what i think happened my theory i traced back on the blockchain as far as i could um of course i don't know the guys i don't know exactly who's behind these accounts but stuff like that i'm like holy shit like that's an edge that is crazy you could turn around and flip that punk for like you know 100x profit right now
0: those types of guys are being targeted right now, just in general. Like, uh, You you see the low ball offers probably like I do every day where someone hasn't sold a punk um, since 2017, since they originally got it. And people just go in and offer like one Ethereum, two Ethereum for it, hoping that they just magically log on one day, see this offer and say, oh my God, Like this is appreciated to this price. I'm taking it, Um, which would be a horrible deal right now. But anyways, I'm sure we'll be talking more NFTs in the future. Um, we, we'll leave it to the end. I, I, I'm potentially leaving it to the end of these pods just in case people uh, don't have any interest in the topic. But I think last one's last week's was received really well. I got a lot of commentary around it just in general. And I think it is a hot topic right now there is a lot of parallels to sports betting and i think that's one of the reasons it's important to discuss it because it's just another way to attack a market it's a market um, it's exactly
1: yeah. what we're trying to like make this podcast is is a sports betting podcast primarily but really like we're just discuss- we're literally just shooting the shit about how we would attack different markets some of it is useless some of it is valuable um, the way i even really got started in sports betting was listening to people talk in informal capacities like this and they wouldn't really give away like any significant edge like i'm not giving away stuff that i'm betting right now and and evaporating my edges but i'm giving away stuff that i'm sure a guy like me five years ago would have listened to and said wow that's interesting maybe i can try that with this other thing I've been thinking of and then now you know find an edge so anyone who's new to sports betting listening to this like a a rookie better someone who wants to get into the industry like think about the concepts we're, we're we're giving but the way Rob said he evaluates like MLB preseason spring training like don't just look at that and say oh this is how I could potentially get an edge on spring training say hey this is how I can take this one concept that Johnny said in the crypto punk market and transfer that to NASCAR and this is something that's being offered that I knew about like these are ways that we're going to grow this industry this help you're going to get a start and how you're going to literally like you got to listen to everything and factor it into other markets not just the ones we're talking about
0: it's a slippery slope I will say because it's I know it's difficult for recreational betters to decipher what is good actionable content versus what is just fluff and garbage um so i i am hesitant to say listen to everything because there is a lot of garbage out there but it's easier to navigate through than i think most people believe there's there's one person on twitter um i don't actually know much about them at all don't know their twitter handle i think the name is alex bartlett does ring a bell for you at all a twitter person
1: Uh, go on
0: Anyways, I think this guy was just like a recreational guy like three or four years ago and just tried to consume as much content he could from people that were respected and just like followed the trail of Twitter to say like, this guy is respected in the industry. This guy is not, I'm gonna ignore what he says. I know that, that process is garbage. Whereas this person is respected, I'm going to listen. And he just basically consumed information and has turned himself into a pretty decent winning better. Uh, and there's a lot of success stories like that in general. Um, I'm not saying everyone has to agree with everything that we say on here, cause I'm sure there's a lot of people who disagree, um, on some of the stuff we say, but
1: no, and you, and you should
0: disagree. There should yep. be a lot of
1: stuff in anything you listen to that you disagree.
0: I, I, I mean, I, I S I've seen several threads on Twitter from people that I consider to be sharp arguing with one another on different topics. There's no right or wrong way. In some cases, there are preferred methods by different people. Um, but ultimately that's the goal of of the podcast is to provide some glimpse into how our minds work. I think how we attack different markets. I think today, today's in general was a good one. Like someone could listen to an MLB spring training discussion and they could potentially attack a market that way or understand a little bit more about it. Same with the odds boost. And I think there's some other lessons that apply. So, um, okay, great episode.
1: I will, uh, we'll, we'll talk next week, buddy.
0: Yep. Feedback warranted from anyone else out there. Um, hit us up on Twitter. If you like it, dislike it, whatever you want to let us know, we are trying to incorporate it as much as possible. And next week we will be midway through the Ben versus Tortellini challenge. or We have a a special
1: guest. We may be joined by Rob's turtle,
0: Tortellini. Tortoise. I have to, again, sorry. Turtles and tortoise, very different. Turtles go in the water. Tortoises do not. There's the difference. At least I think so. I haven't actually confirmed that via search. I wonder if uh I wonder if Bavada factored that into the line. Yeah. Hopefully you don't get any bad messages from PETA or anything like that this week, calling you some sort of uh turtle supremacist. Yeah, I don't think we will. <laughs> All right. See you everyone next week.
1: Uh take care.